that's going up, I just want to kind of open up with this with this reality. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. You don't have to turn there right now, but it's just simply this. I'll read it to you. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blamelessly at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, third slide. There we go, right there. According to this scripture, let me remind you that this is scripture. This is a revelation of God's will. God himself tells us that there are three parts to our being. Spirit, soul, and body. So let's start with that understanding. You are in a body. And if you are over a certain age, you might be realizing that that body is beginning to corrupt. <laughs> when you're before that age, you don't really realize it as much. But this body, unless Jesus returned before it happens, is going to go back to the ground from which it came. Yeah. Uh, that's just the reality. So we have a body, and then we also have this thing that's called a soul. You can go to the next slide, please, John. Uh, I hope I've got this in order. There we go. That's, all, that's an impressive diagram. Wow. Uh, so we've got we've got a body, as you just said, and then and this may be a little hard to see, but then you've got this thing called the soul. Soul. What are we talking about there? We're talking about some people would say the mind, the will, and the emotions. We can interchangeably say the thoughts, the feelings, and the desires. Anybody have those things? Yeah. So those things. Uh, even like, as in the case uh, for me, when at the age of roughly 17 or 18, when I first became a believer through putting my faith in Jesus, I still had thoughts that were incongruent with the kingdom of heaven. I still had beliefs, and I still had desires. And still to this day, I have all three of those that are, some of which are aligned with heaven, some of which most definitely are not. Are you following? Yeah. You have a soul. You have a body, you have a soul, but then there's this thing called the spirit. That is what was dead because of sin, according to Scripture. And Jesus, through what he has done, has made it possible through faith in Jesus. I know you guys know this, but suffer me. Through faith in Jesus, we receive Jesus, and he comes and lives inside of us. Let me ask you a question. Jesus, who is a physical being, he physically lives in this earth, he physically resurrected from the dead, he physically ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God. How does that Jesus, according to Scripture, live inside of me? By the Holy Spirit. And so what we need to understand is this Spirit is the Spirit of Christ inside of you. It's not Spirit of Christ Jr. that's maturing into the image of God. It is God Himself, the person of Jesus, already inside of you. It is Catch me, both your spirit and his spirit. Co-abiding, you become one with him. Do you remember John 17, Jesus praying, the high priestly prayer, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they would be in me, and you, and I in them, and you. That we would be one. <laughs> you follow? How does that happen? Yeah. The spirit. You, we become, we, we have the spirit of God inside of us. The body, soul, and spirit. And uh, so just to kind of say something, go back to that first slide, if you would, John. I'm jumping all around, and it's just, just you know, go with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, place their faith in Jesus, become born again, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Well, how can you say old things have passed away? I still live in the same body, and I still have some of the same stinky thoughts. All things that have passed away. 
is fully alive inside of you, and it is God living inside of you. All things have passed away. It's your spirit that, as far as God is concerned, that's what he sees when he looks at you. Yeah. Do you follow me? What I just, if, 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 there's a lot that we can take out of this morning, but just as a basic 101, let's stop saying things about ourselves that are inconsistent with the reality of what I just said. Can I just toss a few out there for us? Uh, I'm under a curse. Not, I mean, probably the majority of you don't actually say that, but there's some theology floating around there that would make it seem as though because of our ancestors and this happened and that happened, that I'm living under a curse. Uh, read that passage. <laughs> all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's not true. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to say that one, did you? You're not a sinner. That's right. There's not one place in the whole New Testament that identifies believers as sinners. But believers sin. Yes, they do. Sometimes big time. Sometimes bigly. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. And, and but we are, by identity, according to who God has made us, not sinners, we're saints. Amen. How can we say that? Because there is a very real part of us. It's not like God living in us. It becomes part of us. And yet it's fully God that is pure, holy, righteous, without sin. <laughs> That's the part that God looks at when he sees you. It's not that he's ignorant of the other parts, but he receives you on that basis. How about I'm poor? How about I'm sick? How about I can never get ahead? How about something is wrong with me? How about those loops of thoughts that go through your mind over and over, make you feel depressed and like a failure and like you're worthless? I want to tell you this morning, there is another reality. There is another reality that touches even your practical life. And so uh, we are body, soul, and spirit. We should identify with our spirit. That is how we are to live in this earth, in the will of God. So if you'll flip with me, John, can you go with me uh, to slide four? Let's go to five. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, John. You deserve a, a pay grade after this day today. <laughs> so let's just kind of look at this uh, real quick. Spirit. What are we talking about with our spirit? That's our innermost being. That part is in union and fellowship with God. There is no hindrance whatsoever in your connection uh, with God in your spirit right now. Even if you don't feel that way, your spirit has direct access and communion with God. That's right. All the time. Then you've got a soul. I already said that. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, or you can say your thoughts, your desires, and your feelings. That does not stop existing upon, as I said earlier, your faith in Jesus. That's still there. That's the part that's being conformed into the image of Jesus, that we would begin to think like him, believe like him, and desire like him. However, can I say, from the moment until Jesus returns or you die one, we will always have imperfect thoughts, feelings, and desires. Therefore, should you feel condemned because you have those? No. But the goal is that we would progressively learn to live out of this, not this. Now, this is if you, this is the thing. The body is a physical. It's, in the, it's the part that connects with the physical world. It's got the five senses. Taste, touch, feel, smell, and hear. And uh, this is the part that interacts with the physical world. And the scriptures we look, we'll look at possibly later 
their sin dwells inside of their flesh. It has carnal desires and appetites. You know, this can be a real problem, but I would say this is the part that most Christians really suffer with more. Sure. The reason is because we have these, and we think because we have these, that God has that same thought. We have this, and we think that because of that, that should be, that's probably God. In fact, if you have been in a church setting and, and somebody prophesies to you, and you can tell, it's just their fault. You follow what I'm saying? In fact, some of you in here have probably done that. Maybe. <laughs> so we can have thoughts, desires, feelings, and, and, and it not, certainly not necessarily be coming from the Lord, and that can become rather confusing. And so, if you would, uh, I just want to get into, first of all, the spirit. Uh, first of all, you just go to the next slide, John, uh, slide chapter 6. The spirit, as I said earlier, it's the innermost being. It is God within us. So, let me just start here. We were originally, going back to the original part of creation, Genesis chapter 1, we were originally created to be in the image of God by having a spirit within us. If you'll flip with me to the next slide, John. Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our own likeness. I don't know if you guys have ever thought that went all the way through, uh, but does that suggest that God dwells somewhere in the heavens as this gigantic human-shaped form with, like, a forehead and hair and, and you know, what's that? Why does it have to have hair? Right? You can't be in God's image like that. You follow what I'm saying? What, what does it actually mean in Genesis chapter 1 that it says that we were, that God made us in his image? What, what is that actually saying? It's either that we're physically in his image, or there's another reality. And you see in the scripture right below, Genesis chapter, I mean John chapter 4, Jesus says that the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they, though they will worship him, must worship him in spirit and truth. What we're getting at here is, we were made in his image in that we uniquely, apart from all of creation, were given spirits. That God himself is uniquely a spirit. And he made us in his image that we would be the sons and daughters of God, having communion with him, if I can say it this way, being of his bloodline, of his family, in that we are like him. Having a spirit. Everything else in creation, even these beautiful trees turning color that you see through the through the windows right now, each of them bear seed after their own kind. And God is giving us this picture to say, that is what you are to me. No different. I'm a spirit, and you are a spirit. You follow? This is the critical issue, that you're a spirit. And if you look with me, uh, quickly, I just want to read through these scriptures quickly. Go to the next slide if you would. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Listen to this. God has given us Reborn spirits into our hearts. Remember that heart that showed up in that diagram? Uh, I'm not going to build a huge theology around this, but just look at these verses with me and you can take from it what you will. Romans 5 5. And hope does not make us ashamed because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. It would maybe suggest that this spirit somehow is in our heart. Now, I, I, I'm not saying in our, the organ. Right? You know, if you have an EKG, you're not going to find a spirit in there. 
You follow it? That is in you. The one who overcame the world is already in you. And if that's the case, what can we face that, that is able to take the people of God down? It's not to say we're not going to face serious stuff. I'm facing serious stuff right now. But I have one within me that is over, already overcome. And it's not about me surviving and getting through. It's about his kingdom coming through me on earth as it is in heaven. That's the victory. Not me just getting what I want. It's him and his kingdom coming and manifesting something of glory that he would be glorified. Good. Amen? Yeah. You are complete in him. You are not striving. We're not trying to get good enough with God to where we'll finally be spiritually mature enough that we can really walk in stuff. The moment you receive Jesus, spiritual maturity is already inside of you. It's actually a matter of living by the Spirit, not according to the soul and flesh. Right. That really is as simple as it gets. Yeah. In that light, you understand more of what fasting is all about. It's not fasting so we can show ourselves how spiritual we are. It's so that we can deny our flesh and our natural impulses so that we can turn that volume down and hear the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. That's it. Good. That's it. Yep. And that can transform our lives. Uh, so, begs the question, how then do we live in our new identity? I think we are all pretty clear on what our identity is. How do we live in this thing? There was a man uh, named Peter Pretorius. Had a profound impact. In fact, my son Peter was very much named after this man. He, um, uh, he led an organization in Africa that... Uh, by the time of his death a few years ago, I think maybe five years ago or so, uh, that organization was feeding something of 1.2 million children, otherwise starving children, in about nine different African nations every single school day with highly micronutrient-fortified porridge. Praise God. Uh, an amazing thing. In, in addition to digging boreholes to get fresh water for communities, and then there was an evangelistic end of the um, ministry that he started that was that was preaching, he spent the last part of his life raising up indigenous African evangelists to go into the kind of like rural areas that were never reached, that were overlooked by Western Christianity and, and went in there to preach the gospel into those areas. In the end, there were 13 million recorded uh, decisions for Jesus. Like, are all those believable, or, you know, like legit, I don't know, you know, God knows, but point is, a wonderful work of God. And he came and visited the church that I was a part of back in 1990-something, led by this man over here. Peter was great friends with this couple, Rahimia. And uh, as he was preaching, I felt the Holy Spirit, I was probably about 18 or 19 years old, I felt the Holy Spirit just show, just, it was like just a light went off inside of me, that this man is living in something that the, the, the ministry that is happening and the, the activity that's happening and the things that are happening is because of my word, God saying my word spoken into his heart and as he's taken steps of faith, something has been formed in the earth that man can see. Yeah. That's doing something that man can see, but it all started with me speaking into a man's heart. 
Let me tell you a little bit. Now, I didn't know the story at the time, but let me tell you something of the story. Back in 1984, uh, several years before that, Peter had just started doing some gospel ministry in, the, in Africa. He wanted to go into what was then war-torn Mozambique and uh, see how he could help with some of the poverty situations. And some dignitary allowed him into a camp, um, like a, what would you call it? A, a, like a feeding camp. So it was, it was, there was a war in the, the nation. Uh, there was it, you know, famine. People were, were dying of starvation. They had different camps set up. And they wanted to let Peter to go into one of these camps in Pombara, Mozambique, just to see what the circumstances were, to suss it out and see what he could do. They flew him in. They dropped him off. They were supposed to come back in at 5 p.m. later that night, pick him back up. And we, don't, we still don't know the circumstances, but the, the plane never showed up at night. He was left there with no communication in a feeding camp, with people starving all around him for 10 days, not knowing if he'd ever see his family again, et cetera, et cetera. He buried children, dying of starvation every single day. Finally, on that 10th day, uh, an old elderly man, tending to him, trying to nurse him back to health before he could die. Left to go get him a, a thing of water, came back with a cup of water, the man had died, and he broke. And it just, and even in anger at God, screamed at him, God, how can you let this happen? And in that moment, the, the Lord spoke to his heart, said, do what you can, I will be with you. And in that, in that, that moment right there, him encountering something of Jesus had always seen the plight of these people. What Jesus needed was, was a person that he could speak to, to cause them to see it with him so that they would do something and he would be with them. Yeah. As it, it doesn't. Fast forward the clock, today, I don't even know, it's way beyond 1.2 million school kids every day that are getting fed, and there's all sorts of people who are receiving the gospel. Why? Because God spoke something to a person. Now, Peter Pretorius is one of these people that, you know, larger than life, it doesn't even cut it. And by the way, Peter Pretorius, with all due respect, this man, amazing man, name my son after, uh, was a flawed individual. He also had a soul. Yeah. And everyone who worked close to him saw the soul. <laughs> but there, there was something of the spirit of God that is a testament to everybody who saw him as well. What I'm saying is you may be not be called to that same thing. Every single one of us has the same pattern of call. Yes. If God can find someone whose heart will turn to hear the Spirit and act on what God says to us through the Spirit, we walk in divine life. So if I can read the scripture, go to the next slide if you would, John David. Second Peter. What a, what a what a appropriate uh, letter to read from. Second Peter one three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. In other words, our divine revelation. In other words, communication that comes from the Spirit of God gives us everything we need. N revelation knowledge gives us everything that we need. You call us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Bringing us back to Genesis chapter 1, we were created in his image. Now, as fallen sinful beings, or, or those who have had sin, how do, we, how do we 
fulfill our original mandate of being created in His image. It is the Spirit of God living inside of us that allows us to participate in the divine nature. Peter Pretorius participated in the divine nature while still a corrupt, a, a, a imperfect being. Guys, as we see Jesus, we see who we are in him. How can I say that? Because the spirit dwelling inside of you, having received Jesus, is the spirit of Christ. And as that spirit reveals to us something of the will of God and the image of Jesus, we see who we have been made into. Why? Because whose image were we created after? Right. So the spirit inside of you is not like Jesus. It is Jesus. And it is you. And as you see Jesus, it's, it's like Ma uh, in Matthew 16 when, when Peter, when Jesus says, who do, you, who do men say that I am? They said, well, some say Elijah, some say John, or one of the, Baptist, one of the uh, prophets. And, and, and Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? In other words, what is your revelation of me? What is your knowledge of him? What do you know? What have you seen? And Peter stands up, and many of you know, and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter's response is, blessed are you, Simon, the son of John. I say to you, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. You have seen me, in other words, right? I mean, I would, I would say Jesus says, like, start on your star chart. Bingo. Answer the question correctly. Christ, Son of God. But what does he say after that? And I say to you that you are Peter, not Simon. And on this rock, I will build my church. What's the whole idea there? Peter saw by revelation who Jesus was, and in so doing, he saw a reflection of who he was. No longer Simon, son of John, Peter, son of God. Yeah. Are you following? Yeah. You see into who Jesus is. You see who you are in him. It's not about you being so awesome. It's the finished work that he did. And it is, you don't have to get there. You don't have to strive there. You don't have to achieve anything. You receive Jesus by faith. And these things are so. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. It is by faith. So if you still are struggling to believe me, if you can just go to the next slide, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. I just really want to read this. This is so critical. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. I want to say if you love God, the love of God has been poured into your heart through your faith in Jesus, God, according to the scripture, has prepared some things for you. Let's read about what those are. These things are the things God has revealed to us by the Spirit. It's communication that comes through the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Are you starting to see the connection here? There's some stuff that's been accomplished on our behalf through what Jesus has done. And this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The person without the Spirit 
does, like I was in the first 17 years of my life, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So there it is. It works complete. Spiritual maturity there. All the wisdom that you need is in you. All of the, the, the revelation, the leading, the guidance that you need, it is in you. I'm not saying you don't need a Bible, by the way. It's part of how we see the things of the Spirit. But it's already in you. So how then do we access this? Let me get back to that thing of the heart, if we can. Because the heart, as you know, literally has a valve. Literally, the physical heart, but in the uh, metaphoric sense of how the scripture refers to the heart, it is a valve. And so, let's start here. If you go to the next slide. We believe in our hearts. So you have the spirit inside of you. If I can say it this way, faith is already inside of you. Faith for everything that is in the kingdom of heaven. Every truth, every reality of what the kingdom is, kingdom come on earth is in heaven. To believe for it, it's already in us by the Spirit. But we believe on this earth in our hearts. Uh, go to the next slide. There we go. Romans 6, listen to this. But thanks to our God that you were slaves of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. Where do you obey from? Our heart. It's, is it enough to obey in your body? No. No. The oh, true biblical obedience stems from the heart. And that's because faith, belief, happens in the heart. Believe in the heart, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Where do you believe? Believe in your heart. God is raised from the dead. You shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth one confesses to salvation. The picture that we have here, if you can go back to the slide before, John David, if you don't mind, is you've got this spirit. We've already said that according to Scripture, it would sound through three different Scriptures we referenced, that the spirit has been placed in our heart. And so then you've got the spirit, you've got the heart, and then you've got the soul over here. The soul is your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, your mind, your will, and emotions. And then, of course, you've got your body, the part that interacts with the physical world. You are constantly, and I, are constantly being bombarded with information from our soul. Let's start with our body, in fact. With our body is the five senses, as we said earlier. There's material, physical information in front of us all the time that is being presented to us. And that information is going into our soul. Is that making sense? Our thoughts. And then you've got your soul. You've got your thoughts, your desires, your feelings. I wake up, I feel like crud this morning. That's a very real feeling. I can believe. Remember, belief is in the heart. I can believe what my soul is feeling. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? And go with that. What's that what impact is that going to have on my day, do you think? How much, exactly, how, much, how much of the purpose of God might be impacted if I just go with my feelings? Right? So you've got, you're constantly being bombarded with information, stimuli, thoughts, feelings, and desires in your soul and from your body. You have a two ways that this can go in terms of the relationship of your spirit to the rest of, your, of yourself. It's the outside in or the inside out. Okay? And specifically with relationship to your heart. Your heart 
is either going to be receiving information from the Spirit. That is the that is what Jesus says. Blessed are you, son, Simon, son, son of John, for flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. That's communication that comes from the Spirit. That's the knowledge of Him. That's the stuff we read about it's in that passage of the Scripture. The the the, the um, the things that are spiritually discerned, revelation that comes through the Spirit. Are you tracking? You can receive from the Spirit from the inside out and have that impact your soul, your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, which will in turn begin to manifest through your body. I can assure you when Peter Victorious began to step out in faith in this thing that God had said, do this and I will do what you can and I will be with you. I can assure you there were moments where he felt like quitting, where all of it seemed the forces of heaven, I mean of hell, were against him in that continent of Africa, where there were realities where it looks like this thing is about to sink. You follow what I'm saying? But he, but, but continuing in faith and obedience, the outward form, the body, begins to manifest something that originated in the spirit. And the condition, the critical factor is that valve called the heart. What does your heart pay more attention to? Is it the information coming from the soul and the body or from the spirit? Because the other way is true as well. The information is coming from the soul and coming to your heart. Your heart believes that the voice of the spirit becomes more dull. And sometimes if we feel distant from the spirit, ask ourselves this. Have we just been feeding off of the soul and the natural at the expense of listening to, silencing our heart, and listening to the spirit? Nine times out of ten, at least, I would say that's probably as deep as it gets. It's just prioritizing what voice you listen to. So if you jump with me over here. Uh, are you with me, John? There's a... There's a Slide that has Proverbs 4:23. Are they numbered, John? Yes, it's up. It's up there. Okay, sweet. For time's sake, we're just gonna shut the. We're gonna come to a conclusion real fast. So I just wanted to kind of make, go over quickly some things. Proverbs 4:23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Yeah. I hope we're beginning to see the relationship of the spirit, soul, and body. And the heart being that critical valve. Are you seeing it? Yeah. It's actually not even complicated, guys. It's not. You can do this. You can do this because the will is simply the seat of your of your. I mean, excuse me. The heart is simply the seat of your will, and you can simply turn your heart to Jesus. And if you do that, and just kind of turn down the volume of all the other stuff, you can have intimacy and with Jesus and divine communication. You can have that, and that will impact your life. And, and, and ultimately glorify, most importantly, glorify Jesus. By the way, do you know that the scripture says that we all have been glorified? Yeah. Did you hear what I just said? We have been glorified. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light is coming. The glory of the Lord is risen on you. How is that true? Because the Spirit of God in us is glor glorious 
And how will God and Jesus be made known as glorious in the earth? Through a church that operates in its glory. Yeah. But the world wouldn't see us and glorify us. They would see us and the glory upon us and say, whoever you are serving is glorious. You follow? So, just real quick, I said I was going to shut it down or come to a quick close, and then I got on a whole other tangent. So. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you, Nikki. I do just want to quickly say this, though, uh, or just read this. Hebrews 4, to, to, to kind of get into this connection with the soul, the heart. It says this. There we go. The Word of God is powerful. I would say the Word of God it doesn't just refer to the written scripture. It's the revelation. It's communication that comes to us by the Spirit. That Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing apart of soul and flesh. Or flesh and spirit, right? That what it says? Soul and spirit. Most of us don't have a problem discerning between the flesh and the spirit. It's the soul, those thoughts, those feelings, and those desires that are inside us all the time. That we have a hard time discerning between. The word of God, communication from God, will discern, distinguish, separate apart that which is of your soul from that which is actually of the spirit. And it goes on to say, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is that ability to discern those things for us. And so I, I, I don't want to um, go into the stuff about the body. We're not going to get into that. You can just kind of flip through the stuff about the flesh, John David. Um, yeah, just keep on flipping through. Yeah, the, the, what we're looking at here is that sin is in your flesh, and you overcome the desires of the flesh by walking in the spirit. Amen. It all, all, all consists. That it all gets back to the Spirit of God inside of you. But this is what I do want to just um, close with this. Romans 12.1. There it is. Well, now actually, two things. Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice. See, what is the, what is the value of this body that's corruptible and that's returning back to the ground? It's that it is the temple of the Holy Spirit while we are still in this earth. And God wants to demonstrate and manifest himself through you. How is that going to happen? Simply by this body being presented to him as, as, as the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, this body no longer belongs to me. I take steps of faith and obedience through the leading of the Holy Spirit so that my body becomes the house that God uses, the whole world, if you will, in the earth to do his will. Yeah. Just like Peter Pretorius. And again, you may not have the calling of Peter Pretorius, but you do have a call. Yeah. That's right. And it comes from hearing the voice of God and then your body doing something. Yeah. So that it should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order to prove, in other words, demonstrate by you what is that good and pleasing, perfect will of God. Let's just end it right here. How can we respond? First of all, I just want to say this to us. Jesus is still blood. Has... And your faith in him has given you a completely recreated, perfect, holy part that you share with the God. Amen. You're not trying to get it. You're not trying to mature. You're not trying to get to this. It is in you. And everything you have need of is already there. The, the goal of the believer is not...
trying to achieve something, it is simply trying to silence the voice of the soul and the body so that we be, listen to and respond to and are led by the spirit inside of us. That's it. And, and let's make it really simple. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Final slide. Okay. But until this day, when Moses is read, what's Paul talking about when he says Moses? He's talking about the Old Testament. Right? The first part of your Bible before you get to the Gospels. Really, it's the Pentateuch. Old Testament. When Moses is read, the veil is on their heart. Remember what he said about the heart? The vowel? That can either turn to the spirit inside or it can turn to the external and receive input from the inside or the outside. Remember that? The veil, in other words, the thing that would keep your heart from seeing, there's a veil on the heart, but whenever it, what is it? The heart. Whenever it turns to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Amen. That has two elements that are true. When it turns to the Lord for the first time in receiving Jesus at the moment of salvation, that veil becomes taken away. Yeah. In the same way, John chapter 4, Jesus says, no one, unless one is born again, he cannot see, veil, see the kingdom of God. You follow? Meaning that if you're born again, you have the ability to see the kingdom of God. But how many of you are born again in here? Don't raise your hand. If you're born again, how many of you have moments in your life where you don't feel like you're seeing the kingdom of God? Right? So it's, but the power nonetheless to see is in within you. So it's got two parts. One, when you're born again, you have that veil lifted to where now you can see. But number two is that any time after the point of being born again, if your heart returns to that place of turning to the Lord. By the way, not the Savior, the Lord. The one you follow, the one you submit to and surrender to. Turn to the Lord, the veil can be removed. If we want to see into the kingdom of God, turn your heart to the Lord. And the Lord is that spirit. And where, where the spirit of the Lord is, not just necessarily the Savior, Lord, where he is the one in charge, where he is the one we're yielding to, there is freedom. Yeah. Yep. Most of us spend our lives thinking that freedom is to do whatever I want, and we find out the real freedom is when we yield ourselves to do whatever he wants. Oh, yeah. Because we step into the reason that we were created. Yeah. Is to be one with him and to do his will. Uh, but we all, with our face having been unveiled, having beheld the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, are being changed into the same image. Remember Peter? Yeah. You're the Christ of the living God. Next thing he finds out, my name is changed from Simon to Peter, and I'm the Son of God. Being changed into the same image from 